Hey, before we begin, I want to let you know about a new show from Curious Cast that I think you might be into. It's called Russia Rising. Putin's Russia has been accused of using internet trolls, hackers, and even assassins to influence the West. This new investigative podcast hopes to unravel the giant mystery that is Russia with the help of those who know her best. Russian trolls, hackers, Putin supporters, and even a former KGB spy. Join Global News Europe Bureau Chief Jeff Semple on a journey to find out how Russia has gone from tenuous ally to a potential global threat. Listen to Russia Rising for free at CuriousCast.ca or wherever you're enjoying This Is Why. It seems our opinions on climate change have become intrinsic with our political beliefs. I'm Nikki Reitmeyer, and this is Why. Politics intersecting with climate change. A good example of this happened recently here in Canada when Maxime Bernier, the leader of the right-wing People's Party of Canada, took on Greta Thunberg, a young environmental activist. We'll get more into that story in a moment, but first, let's just rewind one step and let me explain more about who Greta is. It's one year since she founded the school strike movement, since becoming the global voice and face of climate action. Hi everyone, we are here on our school strike in front of the United Nations and we have Greta Thunberg with us. Hi Greta. Teenagers and children, our job is to demand solutions, not not to provide the solutions. And we've just learned that she has now been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. The politicians and the people in power have gotten away with not doing anything to fight the climate crisis. But we will make sure that they will not get away with it any longer. We will continue to school strike until they do something. Greta Thunberg, called the voice of the planet, is ready to cross the Atlantic on a mission to fight climate change. She'll be sailing from Europe to New York to call on world leaders to protect the environment. 16-year-old began her journey from Plymouth on a carbon-neutral yacht. The Militia 2 has no shower, no cooker, and no toilet. The first two weeks on that boat are going to be quite a physical challenge, but she also faces a political challenge as well as gaining many, many supporters. She's faced a little bit of vitriol online. There are always going to be people who don't understand or don't accept the United Science. I will just ignore them because, I mean, I'm only acting and communicating on the science, and if they don't like that, then, I mean, what have I got to do with that? When she reached North America in her eco-friendly boat, she was met with amplified opposition from climate change deniers and those against what she stands for. Even Maxime Bernier tweeted, and I quote, Greta Thunberg has become the international mascot for climate alarmism. The goal of the green left is to radically transform our society through hysterical fear that the end of the world is coming and we have no choice but to give up our freedoms and way of life. Their agenda is clear. Thunberg, and he quotes her, we must change almost everything in our current society. 
Maxime continues, they want to make us poor and restrict everything from housing, transportation, food, travel, and what we consume to even having babies. He said, they don't care about democracy and they say there's no time left for debate. Opposition or expression of doubt must be silenced. We must make those radical changes. And he wrote in all capitals, now. They use Greta as a convenient shield. The mob accuse those criticizing her of bullying an autistic child. Greta Thunberg is clearly mentally unstable. Not only autistic, but obsessive-compulsive, eating disorder, depression, and lethargy, and she lives in a constant state of fear. She wants us to feel the same. He wrote a quote of hers, I want you to panic. I want you to feel the fear I feel every day. The green leftists want us to focus on the feelings of this girl so as to prevent any debate on the radical ideology she is pushing. But she and her parents are responsible for making her an international figure at the center of political controversies, not the rest of us. Now, those were just five of eight tweets that Maxime Bernier wrote on the subject. And he has since retracted some of those statements, saying he didn't mean to criticize her mental health or to criticize the mental health of anyone else who has similar conditions to hers. But he did not walk back his statements that said Greta is a political pawn for those pushing leftist ideologies. But we can broaden this topic beyond Maxime Bernier or Greta Thunberg. This story is just one example of the obvious political battle that has been created surrounding climate change. But is it right to even consider the environment a political issue? Is protection of the environment partisan? Coming up later in this episode. People feel like it's an extension of your political views. But, you know, climate change is something that affects everyone. It's a nonpartisan issue. You're listening to This Is Why, a national radio show and podcast from Global News. I'm Laura Hensley. I'm a national online lifestyle reporter at Global News. It feels really strange for me as someone who works in the media that anytime I mention the phrase climate change, anytime I mention the term climate change, someone is going to take offense to it somehow. Certainly. I think climate change is one of those topics that is so debated, even though, you know, it's rooted in science and we know that it's a real man-made problem that's happening now there's still a lot of controversy around it. And, you know, it can create tension between people. You have different views. And people get upset when they hear people who present the news talking about climate change. I think people think climate change is a partisan issue because it's being used, you know, politically. We're seeing it happen all across the world, especially in the States and in Canada. And so people feel like it's an extension of your political views. But, you know, climate change is something that affects everyone. It's a nonpartisan issue. And I think we need to have conversations around what's going on in the world and how we can, you know, fix it, so to speak, and not take it as a personal attack and a reflection of what you might um, align with, you know, politically. 
I really like that phrase that you used, an extension of your political views, because I think that truly is how so many people view the topic of climate change. So if it is a nonpartisan issue, then how much of the responsibility falls on politicians to better communicate the significance of climate change? And I mean all politicians on all ends of the political spectrum. Oh, it's a huge responsibility. I mean, I've written about climate change for Global News, and the researchers that I've spoken to have said that one of the main reasons that people, you know, are climate change deniers or skeptics is because they hear politicians, you know, echoing those sentiments. So if you look to the states, for example, you know, U.S. President Donald Trump has said some pretty controversial things about climate change, and his actions have certainly reflected climate change skepticism. And that trickles down. And so if you, you know, think that climate change is a political issue and you hear people talking about it, and you might be someone who aligns with, you know, Donald Trump's policies, you can obviously think that this person has a set of beliefs that are different than yours. When in reality, climate change really needs to be something that politicians talk about because it's affecting everyone. It goes across political lines. You know, politicians who share the idea that it's something that is, you know, not actually as bad as it is, or it's not really caused by humans. They're not doing anyone a service. They really need to educate people, especially in Canada, about the realities, because those realities should be shaping policy. You know, it's so funny, isn't it? Because people will say over and over and over again, no matter which generation you're a part of, I don't trust politicians. I don't trust anything a politician says. I have such a hard time wrapping my mind around why people are so resistant to accept climate change and willing to agree with the individuals they would generally disagree with when it comes to climate change. I certainly. And there's a few factors, I think, that contribute to that. I think, first of all, if you're someone who is really skeptical of climate change and you go online and you can find material that supports your beliefs, you're really reinforcing your own ideologies. You're enforcing your own beliefs. And I think that people, you know, look to hear leaders or they look to hear things or read things online that reflect their own views. You know, when it comes to denying climate change and not really necessarily believing in it, I think a lot of people who have those skeptical views haven't experienced it firsthand. You know, a lot of the research sort of or the researchers I've spoke to who have said that, you know, climate change is affecting more and more people. The people who see the effects of climate change firsthand, maybe they've lost their house to a flood or a wildfire they're experiencing it. It's affecting their lives. And so when you see it in your face, you might be more likely to believe it. But if you've never experienced it, or, you know, it doesn't really seem to be something that bothers your day-to-day existence, you might be less likely to believe in its severity and, you know, project more skepticism. But sometimes I wonder too, you know, even if you were to lose your house because of a hurricane, if you would attribute that to climate change, or if you would say, That's because of the hurricane, and that is an isolated incident. And that's a great point. And people who are climate change deniers, you know, they're going to attribute a natural disaster to any other factors aside from climate change, right? They're not going to see that experience through the lens of climate change. But I think the important thing is that people need to be educated on the realities of it. And you need to look at really reputable sources. I mean, if you go on government websites, again, not everyone trusts the government, but if you look to leading scientists, even NASA has this really amazing stat on their website that has 
statements from all different scientific organizations across um, the United States and even the world, you know, saying that climate change is a real threat and it is mostly caused by human-made activity. And it's hard to argue with over 97% of scientists across the world. But I think that people really need to sort of question why are they not believing that this is happening? You know, I think climate change brings upon this sense of dread and overwhelming anxiety. It feels so big that people do not know how to help combat it. And for many people, that anxiety or dread can be so big that you kind of just become stuck. Well, it seems as though it's sometimes even government organizations can shoot themselves in the foot a little bit when it comes to climate change. For example, Election Canada stating that climate change is a partisan issue in regards to the upcoming election. That is definitely um, a controversial move. I mean, the fact that, you know, Elections Canada went out and said that anyone who mentions climate change could be deemed, you know, aligning themselves with one political party was, you know, in my opinion and the opinion of scientists who I've spoken to, a misstep because it's basically saying that climate change is a partisan issue when, you know, again and again and again we're hearing it is not. So I think that they almost, I don't want to say gave credibility to climate change skeptics, but in a way they did. They made it more of a political issue, and I don't think that was necessarily the right or the best thing to do. How big of a role does the environment and climate change play in the upcoming election? I think it should be one of the top issues. You know, the United Nations has called climate change one of the biggest issues we are facing in our lifetime. You know, you look across the globe, we're seeing the Amazon rainforest fires. We're seeing, you know, the California wildfires. We're seeing endangered species become extinct. We're having effects of it. And if we don't have policies in place, if they do not become part of political parties' platforms, how are we going to solve climate change? We know that it's a real threat that's affecting us at a very rapid pace. And if politicians do not have effective policies um, and platforms that are effective in combating climate change and, you know, introducing more greener resources and to having, you know, things that will hopefully combat and reduce the severity of it. We really have no, we don't have much hope for the future. It's it's no longer a joke. It's no longer this idea that's abstract. It's something that's affecting us. And politicians need to have very strong climate change platforms. And I think that it's going to play a huge role in the upcoming election. Well, and I think that's key, isn't it? That it's so abstract right now for so many people. And by the point that it becomes a tangible issue is the point when we're way past too late. Certainly. I think that people don't necessarily think about climate change on a daily basis. And if you're not thinking about things and thinking about ways that you can improve situations on a daily basis, you're not actively always you know, working towards solving them. Climate change is something that's been creeping up for years and years and years and years. And it's not something that you necessarily think about every single day when you get into your car, when you buy a coffee and then you throw out your coffee cup, but it affects us. So we need to find ways that we're constantly thinking about how we can improve climate change and what we can do to combat it. Because if we don't act now, there is a much dire situation that's gonna happen in the future. 
This Is Why is produced by John O'Dowd and me, Nikki Reitmeyer. It's a national radio show and a podcast. You can download, subscribe, or listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. Give us a rating and a review, and you can always send us an email as well. This is why at curiouscast.ca. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week.